0: Well, today is the last message in our series on perspective. And what we've been looking at for the last six Sundays counting today is when we begin to see things differently, Differently, we can live differently. So today in this final message, we're going to focus on the final chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. Would you open God's word to the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation And more than likely, it's the last page of your Bible, depending, it may go on two pages, but uh, Revelation chapter 22. As you're turning there, I want to emphasize something very important before we read the text. This is not only the end of the book of Revelation, it also brings us to the end of the Word of God and the perspective that the Bible has on the last page. It's the perspective that we need to have in these last days. You need to realize that the last words of Jesus to all mankind are recorded for us in Revelation 22. The very last thing that Jesus said, at least in recorded scripture, is on the last page of the Bible. Revelation 22. And and here's what he said. I'll go ahead and tell you before we read the text. Here's what he said. He said three times, I am coming soon. On the last page of the Bible, three times, he said, I am coming soon. Let's read it for ourselves, Revelation 22, beginning in verse 7. Behold, and and notice at least in my Bible, if you have the red letter edition, uh, these words are in red. These are indeed the the words of Jesus. Verse 7, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. And then down verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then in verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Everybody look at your pastor for just a moment. Those in in watching online, I hope that you'll focus with me for just a moment. Let me tell you something. If Jesus told us once on the last page of the Bible that he was coming soon, that would be enough, wouldn't it? But if he told us twice on the last page of the Bible that he was coming soon, that would be significant. But if Jesus says three times on the last page of the Bible that he is coming soon, then maybe he wants us to pay attention and live accordingly. Maybe he wants that to be our perspective as we live our lives. It's as if Jesus said, now, one last thing. One last thing. I want you to live with this perspective. I want this to shape the way you live. I want this to shape the decisions that you make. One last thing. I'm coming soon. Now, before we get too deep into that, let me clarify something that probably has confused many people over the years and maybe has confused you as well. You might want to look at that word or mark the word soon. We think of soon in, times, in terms of time, that it's just going to be right around the corner. It's just, the next, it's just a very short distance of time. That's the way we talk about the word soon. Each time Jesus spoke of his return in this final chapter, he uses that word Soon. And yet, here we are, 2,000 years later, still waiting. What if I told you that I was coming soon to see you, and two days passed, and I didn't show up, and two weeks passed, and I didn't show up, and two months passed, and I didn't show up, and two years passed, and I didn't show up? What would you think of my promise that I'm coming soon? You probably would lose confidence in what I said. You probably would not take very seriously what I have What I said about coming soon. And that's the way some people feel about the Lord's promise to return soon. A lot of people don't take that seriously anymore. A lot of people have lost confidence in in that fact. Because Jesus said, I'm coming soon, but he said it 2,000 years ago. Let me give you a little Greek lesson here real quickly. You might want to write this down in the column of your Bible. In the Greek language, that word soon means quickly. Or suddenly. In other words, when Jesus Christ returns, events will happen quickly. They will Things will change at a rapid pace. Things will fall into place suddenly when Jesus Christ returns. That's why in Revelation 3.3 3 and in Revelation 16.15, Jesus said, I'm coming like a thief in the night. It will happen suddenly. It will happen quickly. You see, when Jesus returns... It's going to be something that occurs very quickly around the world. When when Jesus returns, everything will fall into place suddenly around the world. I know we've waited and we've waited and we've waited. And I've heard all of my life that Jesus is coming back. And we've waited for that. But what he was really saying is this. When I do come back, everything that has to take place will happen quickly, suddenly, all around the world. Now listen. If COVID-19 has taught us anything, it has taught us how quickly things can change on a worldwide scale. I want you to think about how different life was just three months ago. Not six months ago, just three months ago. On March the 15th, you gathered in this building, many of you did, some of those watching online as well. On March the 15th, you gathered in this building and celebrated our 125th anniversary as a church. And in the last three months, we've dealt with the coronavirus that has spread across the world, and suddenly businesses and industries shut down, schools closed, entire cities went into lockdown and quarantine, all sports shut down. I never thought I'd see that in my life, college, professional, all sports shut down, churches closed, even the Olympics were postponed, and on top of that, then we began to hear about murder hornets. And the Sahara dust cloud. COVID-19 is, and 2020 has called us, taught us anything. It's taught us how quickly, how rapidly things can change around the world. The last chapter of the Bible. Jesus speaks in the last chapter of the Bible three times. And Jesus said he is coming back. And when he does, things will happen Quickly. And for the first time maybe in our lives, we can understand that now, can't we? For the first time in our lives, we have a perspective of how that could happen rapidly around our world. Now, it's interesting to me that one of the reasons that I think the Bible ends the way it does with this threefold explanation, this threefold announcement, I'm coming soon, is because every generation doubts that concept. Every generation has to doubt, well, I don't know, he hasn't come back yet. And in fact, it's so interesting to me, I'm going to show you this in just a moment. It's so interesting to me that even in the earliest days of Christianity, the return of Jesus Christ was the central part of our faith. I want you to go with me. Put your finger in Revelation. Go with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we'll be looking at verses 9, 10, and 11. Now, Jesus says, this is after his crucifixion, after his resurrection. He meets with his disciples uh, for one last time, and he gives them the Great Commission in verse 8. And then it says in verse 9, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Look what what the angel says in verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, mark this, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The return of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, is not an appendage to the gospel. The return of Jesus Christ is really the heart, is at the heart of the salvation story. In fact, write this reference down. You don't have time to find it, but let me quote it for you. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 and 28 says this. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And listen to the rest of the passage. And He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, He came once to bear the sins of many. He came once to die in our place as our sacrifice. And He will come again, the Bible says in in Hebrews 9. He will come again a second time. He will come again. This time, He will bring salvation to its completion. You see, ladies and gentlemen, my point is simply this. This is not a secondary doctrine. This is not just one of those secondary doctrines that some people who are interested in time events kind of get interested in. We are called throughout the Bible to live with the perspective that Jesus Christ is going to return to this world. As surely as he came the first time, I'm here to tell you he's coming back a second time. I, I like what David Jeremiah, of course, he's a great pastor and 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 really has written a lot of books about bible prophecy i really like some of the stats that he put out one day he said the references to the second coming outnumber the references to the first coming of jesus by a factor of eight to one he said scholars have identified 1845 different biblical references to the second coming of jesus christ 1845 biblical references New Testament authors, according to David Jeremiah, speak of the second coming in twenty three of the twenty seven books of the New Testament. Jesus Himself referred to his return twenty one times. Now, I I want to give you just a few examples. I, I I really wanted to take some time and just walk through Scripture with you and just overwhelm you with how many times the Bible talks about the second coming. But we don't have that much time, so I'm just going to quote them for you. You don't even try to find them. If you're taking notes, just try to write down the references. Let me just read them to you. Matthew 16, 27 says, The Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with angels, and then He will reward each person according to what He has done. The Son of Man is going to come back. John 14, 3, Jesus said, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be where I am. Philippians 3, 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10 says, They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living of the true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven. James 5, 8 says, You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near." You see, the, the return of Jesus Christ is always on the horizon of Scripture. It's like the sun shining light on everything else in the New Testament. We understand a lot of the rest of the New Testament because of this concept that Jesus Christ is coming back. But here's the question. The question I want to ask you today, and the question I want to ask those watching online is this. If Jesus' second coming is so prominent in Scripture, why is it more prominent in our lives? Ever wondered about that? I mean, why isn't it so prom? If it's so prominent in the Bible, why is it not prominent in my life? I thought about that this week, and I've got two answers for you. This is not scriptural answers, but it's just my perspective. The first one is this. I think our prosperity distracts us. Here's what I mean by that. You see, until 2020, the typical American family life was doing pretty pretty okay, right? We were doing all right. Till 2020, everything's going pretty well for us, and occasionally somebody had problems, but overall, as a society, until 2020, everything was going pretty smooth for most Americans. We didn't fret a whole lot over much because we, need, we didn't have a whole lot of need. We pretty much, life was on cruise control. And then, 2020 happened. And I found out that, God brings sometimes situations into our lives where we do indeed get overwhelmed and where we do indeed do not have an answer and where we do indeed have hardship. And when hardship comes into our lives, then we begin to think, I- I'm looking forward to a day better than this day. And of course, that day is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hardship and pain forces us to look to the future for a better day. I will confess to you, maybe you've done this as well, I will confess to you that in the last three or four months, I have said on more than one occasion, I'm just ready for Jesus to come back. Anybody else say that? All right, we've got a few people. I really have. I've thought and said before throughout this year, I'm just, I'm just ready for Jesus to come back. You see, occasionally God, God brings hardship in our lives to remind us that this world is not heaven. We're heading to heaven. And sometimes our perspective is clouded by our prosperity. The second reason I think that maybe the second coming is not more prominent in our lives is because we don't want to look foolish. I don't know about you, but over the years, I've heard a lot of people talk about the second coming, and they just get kind of weird about it. Can I get an amen? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, they made bold predictions that don't come true. I have in my library a book that says why the rapture of Jesus Christ is coming on this certain date. I had another book that said 88 reasons Jesus is coming back in 1988. I have here in my Bible a pamphlet that says God's judgment day is near, October 28, 1992. Jesus is coming again. You've been warned. And we'll see things like this and we think, you know, I, I'm not going to say too much about the second coming because I don't want to look weird. I don't want to be one of those people that it just, it just looks like you're pushing a particular day. And, and I get that. I get that. But I will to tell you something. Regardless of what the pamphlets and the books say, Jesus is coming again. Not because the pamphlet says it or a book says it, but because the Bible says it. Jesus is coming again. But I think another reason that we sometimes struggle with that concept and we don't want to look foolish is because we've heard it all of our lives that Jesus is coming again and we wonder what's taking him so long. It's interesting within the first 35 years of the New Testament church they began to struggle with that very question, what's taking him so long? I'll show you this in scripture. Put your finger there in Revelation, go over to the left and find the book of 2nd Peter. 2nd Peter 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter... While you're turning, let me tell you a little bit about this book. It was written by one of the apostles, a man named Simon Peter. And this book was written somewhere in the area of AD 65 to 66. So roughly 35 years. Roughly 35 years after Jesus ascended back to heaven. Roughly 35 years after that event, Peter writes this book. To, to the first-century believers, and apparently they were struggling with the question. Thirty-five years after after he left, they're struggling with the question: What's taking him so long to come back? Let me show what I'm talking about. Second uh, Peter chapter three, verse eight. But do not forget this. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends: With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. In other words, God's eternal. His perspective on time is very different from ours. Then he goes on to say, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is, what's that next word? He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In other words, God's not being slow. God's being gracious. And then he says, Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come. But the day of the Lord will come, but it will come how? Like what? Suddenly, quickly, unexpectedly. Could I say to you listening to me today and those watching online, history is moving towards a decisive ending. History is God's story, and it's going somewhere. And just as surely as history had a beginning, history also has an ending. But the day of the Lord will come. But before that day comes, Peter said, God is graciously waiting for more people to come into the family of God. Now let me tell you something. I am so glad Jesus didn't come back in 1970. You know why? Because I got saved in 1971. I'm so glad he was patient. Not willing for Keith to perish. But for Keith to come into everlasting life. Now he could have come back in 1970. And had he come back in 1970 when I was 10 years old. And I had heard the gospel many times. And I had told my dad I'm not ready to trust Christ as my Savior. Had he come back in 1970 I would spend eternity in hell. He's not willing that Keith would perish but... He patiently waited. 1971, as an 11-year-old, I put my faith in Christ. Maybe God is being gracious to some of you too. Maybe to someone listening online. God's being gracious to you. He hasn't come back yet because he's patient with you. Not wanting you to perish, but to come to repentance. Repentance. As we conclude this message, I want to go back to Revelation 22. And I just want to emphasize to you one final time that on the last page of your Bible, Jesus says three times, I am coming soon. Now, when we hear that, we normally think in terms of timelines. But God thinks in terms of readiness. Readiness. I'm coming soon. Make sure you're ready. He didn't say, I'm coming soon. Get your graph out and your timeline and try to figure it all out. That leads to stuff like this. When Jesus said, I'm coming soon, he was talking about, you need to be ready for that. Are you ready for Jesus to come back? I'm going to say two things in conclusion. If you're taking notes, here's my two points. They're very, very simple. Number one, If if you're ever going to give your life to the Lord, now's the time to do it. If you're ever going to give your life to the Lord, now is the time to do it. Today is your opportunity to get ready. He's not willing that any would perish, but everyone would come to repentance. So He's been slow. He's been gracious. He's been waiting for you to return. I want to tell you something. When He does return, there won't be time to get ready for heaven. The time to get ready for heaven is today. Today. The time to get ready for his return is now. And in fact, there's an invitation in this last chapter. On this last page, there is one final invitation to you today in verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. On the last page of the Bible, it says, here's your invitation. Just just come. The Spirit of God says, come, and the bride there is the church. And you've heard the church say, you're hearing it today. The church says, come. The only requirement is that you have to be thirsty. You have to realize your need. and You have to realize only Jesus can meet that need. If you're ever going to give your life to Jesus Christ, now is the time to do it. Number two, if you're ever going to live your life for the Lord, Now's the time to do it. Listen to me, church. If you're ever going to do anything for the kingdom of God, now is the time to do it. Let me show you this in Scripture. Go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Every Christian ought to have this marked in their Bible. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. Here's what it says. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer now than it was when you first believed. The hours come to wake up from our slumber. And here's why. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Verse 12, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Paul said at the church in Rome listen, if you're ever going to live for the Lord, now's the time to do it. If you're ever going to tell somebody about the Lord, now's the time to do it. If you're ever going to take the gospel somewhere, now's the time to do it. If you're ever going to give up those deeds of darkness, now's the time to do it. If you're ever going to change your life and, and return your heart to the Lord, now is the time to do it. Three times, Jesus said to the church, I'm coming back soon. Stuart Briscoe was once on a television program. It was a talk show, and it was a call-in show, and a caller called in and said, you talk a lot about the second coming of Jesus. Tell us something definite. When is Jesus coming? Briscoe said, well, I, I can't tell you that for sure. I know that he is coming, and I know that he come, when he comes, everything will be set right, and, and I know that he's coming soon. And the caller said, a little arrogantly, but you haven't told me anything definite. Strip Briscoe said, yes, I have. I told you something very definite. I'm telling you right now that since we started talking on this program, Jesus' is coming is closer than it was when we began, and that is... Is definite. Paul said the same thing. Paul said right there, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than it was when we first believed. Three times, Jesus said on the last page of the Bible, I am coming soon. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I would say that's pretty definite. Amen? I want you to bow your heads with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. First of all, I want to talk to you who are believers in Christ. The Bible says now is the time to wake up from your slumber. If you're ever going to do something for the Lord, do it now. If you're ever going to live for the Lord, do it now. If you're ever going to share the gospel with somebody, do it now. Now the time for us to be the church. If we're ever going to be the church, now the time to do it. You're going to live your life for the Lord. Now's the time to do it. And in this time of invitation, this time of prayer, this is the time where you talk to the Lord about how you need to live your life with that perspective that Jesus is coming back soon. I also believe that there's somebody here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. You're not ready for His return. You know that. Or maybe it's somebody watching online. You're not ready for His return. And you know that. I would say to you, if you're ever going to give your life to Jesus Christ, now is the time to do it. Right now, right where you are. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you died on the cross for me. Today, I just repent of my sin. I ask you to come into my heart. Change me, and make me a new person. I commit my life to you. Today I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Now if you've prayed that prayer, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in the sanctuary, I want you to do two things. First of all, I want you to tell someone in your family. Let them know the commitment that you made. Let them know today the commitment that you've made. This is not a silent commitment. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not a silent commitment. It was a silent prayer, but it was not a silent commitment. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you need to testify of your faith in him. And the easiest way to do that is tell somebody in your family today. Secondly is this. Would you tell me or someone on our staff today? I'll be standing outside. You can come by and let me know. You can send me an email. You can talk to somebody else on our staff let us know so that we can help you get started and so that we can baptize you next Sunday if you'd like to do that. We won't force that on you, but we'd welcome you to do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you that you've warned us, you've told us, and you've encouraged us. You're coming soon. And as it says in the very last verse of the Bible, even so, come Lord Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.